Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there way out there, turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu. El Huddle is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hola, que tal? What's good, everybody? This is the El Huddle Podcast. I'm Will Salva. My prima hermana, MJ Acosta Ruiz, is off. But people, I am not flying solo. I have somebody that you'll want to listen to, especially if you are a psycho or a millionaire. He's part of not one, but two wildly popular series slash franchises. You may have heard of them. Psych and a million little things. He's an actor, director, writer, activist. Please, let's give a warm El Huddle welcome to James Rodé Rodriguez. What's viva, up, man? Viva football, See? Will. <laughs> Muy bien. And I see that you got your friend there that's joining us on the podcast, but won't be saying much, really. There he is. And when I sit like this, you bet you'll just get his butt. So he got, he got a little <laughs> dog butt to help brighten your day. Yeah, so what's his name? That is Claude. He's a Frenchman. Ah, okay. Claude, and, and I know for you, 
Uh, you've been involved with your Road Dogs Foundation, which really is dedicated to rehabbing and rescuing medical bulldogs and puppies with birth defects. Why is that such an important cause for you? I adopted the Mastiff I had before Claude. His name was Frank. He was also a Frenchman. Uh, from this amazing woman, Nikki, who who started and runs uh, Road Dogs. And, you know, her, her mantra is that every, you know, every dog, not unlike every child, you know, deserves deserves a shot at, you know, some sort of life. And so she's basically dedicated her work to, you know, the puppies that nobody wants, uh, the seniors that get left behind, um, you know, the smashed faces that have, you know, medical, you know, disabilities that come along with, you know, big fat, you know, medical bills. And uh, I just think it's, it's just so moving that that those are the dogs that she's uh, that she's decided to to help, and uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful organization, and it you know it's not necessarily for the squeamish. I mean, she has to she has to endure a great deal of loss doing what she does, and mm -hmm. uh, I just have a ton of I just have a ton of respect for her, and uh, I will always always be grateful to her because she gave me a dog that I was able to spend uh, 10, 10 solid years with. So, yeah. Was was Frank named after the character in um, that movie that was a father of the bride with Martin Short or no? No, Frank no? was named uh, Frankie when I adopted him. Ah, okay. And he just didn't seem like a Frankie to me. You know, <laughs> uh, he was a little more dour and uh, and brooding and uh, than a Frankie, I thought. <laughs> and, and because he was a French Mastiff, you know, it, we didn't stray too far uh, from the root, from the root word there and just made him the French version. That's how that happened. Well, right on, man. Uh, keep it up. I mean, Road Dogs Foundation. I know that is a cause that's near and dear to your heart. Also near and dear to your heart is football. You are a big time fan. You were born and raised in San Antonio, so inevitably the question is, how in the hell did you become a Tennessee Titan fan? Well, my entire family, uh, the the Mexican side, they're all in Texas, and they're all hardcore Cowboy fans. And uh, it wasn't really a choice. You you're born into the Rodriguez family, and you you know you were given some sort of cowboy paraphernalia, you know, when you're two years old. Right. And uh, I just I wasn't willing to accept like a preordained like fandom, you know. Yeah. And when I started watching football very early on, uh, I liked Earl Campbell. I liked the Houston Oilers. They were always on the other channel uh, that, you know, my dad would flip to during commercials. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I immediately became uh, something of a black sheep. Uh, I was the only non-cowboy fan, I think, in the history of, of the family. But I really <laughs> stuck to it. Uh, those early Oilers teams when I was a kid were just horrible. Uh, but it was it was really fun to watch. Sweet Earl unis, Campbell. though, right? Oh, great unis. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Earl was just running over people. Um, but then they were, would lose. And, uh, you know, we went through some really – we went through some pretty fun eras, you know. We had that the whole run and shoot thing for a while with yeah, Jack Party, Jack Party and Warren Moon yeah. and four receivers, uh, you know, split out wide and and one back and 
you know, we could always get to the divisional round of the playoffs and then, you know, in, invariably we would lose. Uh, and then I got the whole Steve McNair era, which, you know, was was our one trip to the Super Bowl with Steve and Eddie. So uh, even though we have no titles to show for it, um, I have no regrets, no, none whatsoever making that decision. Uh, it's been a good it's been a good ride. And, and it, I just feel like when you're a long suffering fan, getting that Super Bowl trophy is just it's got to be the sweetest fruit uh, sure. out there to get. So someday I will experience something that Cowboy fans have not, because you know if they were if they were alive, you know back when when they were winning three Super Bowls, uh, they they you know they took it. For, I think they probably took it for granted. I never will, and I just it's I'll, been a long I, time for them, James. A long time. It's true. It's true, and it's been you know what? To be honest, I used to love watching the Cowboys be bad, and now they've been bad for so long that it doesn't even give me any satisfaction anymore. Like I can't even troll my dad because I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. It's so they're, they're, I get it. You're you're me now. Um, I just want one, you know, before I die. That's it. Just one. James, you've had some really painful losses to endure. What was the most painful for you? Was it the 35 to three game against Buffalo or was it the Super Bowl against the Rams? I would say that the 35 to three loss was more painful uh, at the time because I really did think that that team had everything it took to go all the way. Um, we were an offensive juggernaut, but we actually had some guys on defense that were making plays. And I thought, you know what? This is it. This is the year we get it done. Um, Loved Dishman. Loved Dishman. It was a good team, man. Yeah. Super Bowl, I mean, it was such a magical ride. We had to, you know, we had to pull off the Music City Miracle to get there. I, I, we started to sort of have a team of destiny, like sort of aura about us, but I don't know that I ever, I didn't go into that season thinking, oh my gosh, we're, we're Super Bowl contenders. So the fact that we got all the way there and, and made it close uh, against the greatest show on turf, uh, that was pretty awesome. Uh, but it was not expected. Um, that was just sort of the, a, a delight. Um, and, you know, as much as everyone looks, likes to run that last play of, of Dyson coming up a yard short, we have to remember yeah. it's the, all it would have done is allowed us to, you know, kick an extra point and tie the game. It's not like... It's not like we That's win right. if he gets in the end zone. We still would right. have to go to overtime and stop that offense again, probably, and who knows. Well, well, that's what a lot of times people, when they look at Bill Buckner, they think, oh, wow, the ball got by him, but there was still another game to be played at that right. point in time, right? And that's so I right. think sometimes sports fans forget that stuff. And that's why, you know, that's why it doesn't haunt me, you know, okay. as much as, as the other one does. Well, that makes sense. What was your first memory, would you say? Was it Earl uh, Earl Campbell just barreling into a Rams defender while his his uniform was getting tugged at and torn off? Like what what was the the first one that just grabbed you? What was the first memory? You just nailed it. Um because when I was that when I was that little, I don't even think I knew another player. I don't think I could name anybody but Earl Campbell. And I knew what and I was kind of mostly only interested in watching when they were on offense and, you know, and he was running the ball. Uh, and I want to say that my first I think my first memory 
they were they were playing the Colts because I remember the other helmet uh, having the horseshoe on it at the and, Astrodome. At the dome, okay, and, uh, and just watching Earl just be a you know a man among boys. Uh, that running style was just so brutal, so and punishing, right? Obviously, he paid he's he's paid a steep price for it, but uh, but boy, that was def- that was my intro uh, to that team and, and to football as a whole. Uh, and you know, in many ways, the Oilers, even though they've gone through so many different iterations and coaches, they still are kind of you know, not too far off from what they were back then. You know, they've mm-hmm. kind of come full circle the way that they play physical smash mouth football and hand the ball to Derrick Henry 30 times a game. Well, well, let me uh, let me go through through your Twitter here. OK, we're going to call this part of our interview, this segment, let's call it read it and tweet. I will read you a couple of your tweets and you tell me what you were thinking at the time when you typed it out. Cool. Cool. Fair, uh, fair warning. I was hacked a while ago. So if it's too recent, it might not actually be me. <laughs> no, no, it's actually from, from 2022. So I don't know right. if you were hacked. We're good. Back That's then. Me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So let's start. This was in early September. Okay. You had said new year, same story. Let's tighten up and go to work. Now, what I take away from that tweet was the mentality that the Titans are seen as these underdogs. Is that yep. what you were meaning to say with that tweet? 100% try to give my boys some bulletin board material. <laughs> Nobody's Nobody thinks you can, can get it done. Everybody's doubting you. Every year, regardless of what kind of offseason the Indianapolis Colts have, all of the pundits will line up and say, oh my gosh, uh, this no one's offseason oh, more exciting than the Indianapolis. Oh, that's this is Indy's year. It's they're they're obviously you know the the, the pick to win it every year. Yeah, it's the same old broken record. So uh, that's what that tweet meant. You're right. You nailed it. Okay. All right. So let's keep going. This was from November 13th, 2022. Uh, it's hard not to daydream about someone with a little more ingenuity calling plays for this Titans offense. Uh, so am I to infer that you were not happy with the OC last season? Yeah, I was, I was part of a large (laughs) contingent (laughs) of Titans fans that really wanted to see him, uh, open up things. Um, and, uh, and it was frustrating at times for sure. Yeah. So now you have Tim Kelly, who's been elevated to offensive coordinator, what do you think of that move? Or are you just happy that they made a move, period? Happy that they made a move. Uh, always willing to give a new guy the benefit of the doubt. I think that's our job as as fans is not to condemn anything until we see it on the field. Same thing with people who bemoan draft picks. I'm like, look, I, I don't do this for a living. I wasn't out there scouting these guys. Like, you got to give them a shot, right? That We, yeah. we got to believe in these guys. Um, that's our job. So until they start, you know, pooping the bed on the field, uh, I'm down and I'm down for, to give Tim Kelly a shot. I mean, he was the passing game coordinator. Hope, hopefully that means he's got a few, you know, other tricks up his sleeve. Like we all know what we're dealing with. We've got a hall of fame back. Who's, you know, tiptoeing towards, you know, the tail end of his career. Um, you're not going to be able to run him, run him, you know, 350 times a game or, or a season anymore. So what else you got? 
And to be fair, uh, that receiver room is a little thin. So I, I think Tim Kelly's probably got a decent amount of leash this year. Yeah. Um, at least until we get him a few more pieces uh, to play with. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he's what he's got uh, cooking. All right. Well, James, one more tweet from you, and this was December first, 2022. Sometimes I wonder if AJ Brown actually realizes that the Titans traded him to a team with an offensive scheme that better utilizes his talents, agreed to pay him exactly what he wanted, and put him next to one of the best of his best buddies. Like dot dot dot. You're welcome. No. <laughs> What were you feeling there, dude? Well, I didn't. I, I didn't quite understand why AJ kept poking the bear so much um, on social media when you know he he got such a great he got such a great deal. You know, like it's like he couldn't let he couldn't let it lie. Uh, it felt like he, he was sort of the engine behind any of the contention between him and the team. Whereas it's sort of like, dude, we you you're playing for a super bowl this year uh good for you love the player move on uh we're the ones that are stuck trying to figure out what our offense looks like now mm-hmm. um it just felt like he he had this axe to grind and i didn't quite understand what what the axe was uh yeah. he's sitting pretty <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if that was just part of he was feeling something and sometimes he was cryptic about it and then he stated what he was feeling. I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem like he was in the doghouse there. He was hurt a lot, but when he was on the field, he was pretty productive. He was he was our pa- our passing game. Um, you know, and and if yeah. he asked for a number and and the Titans weren't willing to pay it, you know, based on how we run an offense, you know, that's the business of football. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you go find your money and he did and it worked out for him instantly. So I don't know. That was, that was me after about 10 or 12, you know, reading 10 or 12 <laughs> tweets from AJ that were like dogging Titans and Titans fans. I was just like, dude. Yeah. So you are, you are. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. 
John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my day. Oh, <laughs> now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great, too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You are clearly a diehard fan, so diehard, in fact, that you had a chance to announce the 69th pick at the 2022 draft. What's up? What's up? Tighten up. Everybody can tighten up. All right. Everybody knows night two is where the real action happens. That's right. I didn't even watch yesterday. Did I miss anything? Good. With the 69th pick. Hello. In the 2022 NFL Draft, our Tennessee Titans select Nicholas Petit Frere, tackle, Ohio State, welcome. What was that like? Pure bucket list. Uh, Three of my best buddies from high school and I went to Vegas, spent the weekend, uh, you know, as part of of that, all of that ceremony, all of that pageantry, 
um, you know, rub shoulders with some some greats, uh, veterans and some current players and some draft prospects back in that green room. It was just it was just awesome. Uh, and, you know, getting 69 out of all the picks you can get. I mean, come on, that's that's just the cherry on the Sunday. <laughs> it really um, is. Yeah, it really. Is. <laughs> um, were you at all? concerned or worried that you would get a name that would be hard to say you know we love chig okonkwo but his names right are are hard sometimes and it's a surprise you don't know literally until just minutes before it's true they do give you a card where the name is spelled out for you phonetically right underneath it I find so, that sometimes confuses me. You, you know, in the broadcast yeah. world, we have phonetic spellings, but sometimes the phonetic spelling actually trips me up more. It's a lot because you you realize you have the responsibility of 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 being a, a part of a moment that you know this young man will will remember for the rest of his life. Like this is quite possibly like a life changing e- you know evening. And the last thing you want to do is go out there and say his name wrong or say his, you know, his family's name wrong. So, yeah, you definitely like you, there's a little bit of nerves. Um, yeah. And I, it's not like I got, you know, Jerry Smith. I, I you know, I, I got Nicholas Petit Frere. Uh, right. And I said and I said <laughs> it a couple of times backstage to the to the NFL person that was there to make sure that, you know, I was at least in the ballpark. You're um, a performer. Did you feel nervous or was this just a different kind of performance, so to speak? Oh, I was so stoked. I wanted to go out there and get Titans fans as pumped up as, as humanly possible. And there were some there, um, which is great. You never feel like there's going to be like a, a heavy Titans contingency at the NFL draft. But sure enough, we had like a little pocket of, of pretty loud, you know, crazy fans tightening up. Yeah, talk about a dream come true. Now you are, I believe, the third person I know that's done it. Kyle Brandt, my co-host on Good Morning Football, he did it a year ago. He announced the Bills pick, and then this year, Jason McCourty announced it for the Titans, coincidentally. And that's right. He spent some time. He spent some time up there. He vamped. <laughs> yes, he did. No, he was going scorched earth, dude. He went yeah. absolutely bonkers up there because Kyle had told him, Hey, talk your bleep up there. And, and he pumped up our show and then he just started, people started taking strays, man, all up and down the division. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. And they kept playing the little, the little jingle to like, tell him like, announce the pick. (laughs) I think they played it like three times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, J Mac wasn't gonna let go, man. This was his time, his moment. Uh, and obviously you can relate to that. Uh, talking about this year's draft, the Titans decided to draft Will Levis out of Kentucky. You probably have read a bunch about him, has a bazooka of an arm. I think the interceptions were a little bit of a concern for people, but what did you make of that pick for the Titans? Again, I'll echo what I said before, you know, new GM this year, uh, ran Carthan and, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like my duty as a fan is to believe that this new guy has a vision for our team and not immediately question every decision that he's making. So, 
I'm totally fine with the pick. I'm glad you're we such did. a rational fan, James. Stop <laughs> it. Knock it off already, okay? You know, I, come on. I, there, there did come a point where <laughs> I was scratching my head a little, and I, I'm happy to share that. But as far as the Levis pick went, um, you know, my, my my worry was that they were going to trade up in the first and and give away our entire draft and maybe a first round pick next year. That would have been a lot tough tougher to swallow. But the fact that we got them, you know, in the second, and it really only cost us a third next year, I think is much, much better value. And, sure. you know, they obviously met with the guy, uh, you know, felt felt good about him. Uh, like I said, we know the tools are there. Heard some things about him coming off as maybe a little serious, uh, you know, robotic, uh, full of himself uh, in some of his combine meetings. But I would just remind everybody that, you know, Joe Burrow isn't exactly the poster boy for humility either. And uh, <laughs> He brings a lot of swag, man. He brings a lot of swag. It's always that fine line between swag and confidence, right? And, and arrogance. 100%. And these are kids, we have to remember. And yeah. as long as he shows up and is respectful and, and works hard, uh, let's give him a shot. Uh, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's obvious that quarterback is a position that, uh, that, you know, we, we need to address for the future. Tannehill's on his way out. Um, Malik, you know, through no real fault of his own was kind of thrown to the wolves last year, I think way before he was ready. Yeah. Um, well, and, and then, and then it was somewhat of an indictment on him, maybe the team that they had to bring in Josh Dobbs. Not a good look at man. one point, you know, and that that was not a good look. I felt bad for the kid. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're probably looking at a future of 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 Will Levis, and uh, and I'm I'm stoked. I mean, dude, what if he's awesome? I'm 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 down. the The place they lost me a little bit um, was waiting until the seventh to take a to take a receiver. Uh, okay, I, you would have wanted it sooner. There yeah. were some guys sitting there in the fifth and sixth. Uh, when they took the tight end and uh, and another tackle that, you know, coming to the Titans is a pretty great situation uh, for a receiver because you have an opportunity to like get on the field right away. And uh, all I can, all I can figure is that they just must not have had those guys anywhere close, you know, to the top of their board, you know, like the, the Tyler Scott's, the AT Perry's like those guys, whose college production was like, you know, legit um, speedy guys, tall guys that could come down that we, you know, make contested catches. I mean, we guys that we need on that team right? Um, that they passed over time and time again. So they, they must've been following their board and they must not have thought much of this, of this receiver class. Uh, and uh, unless, <laughs> unless they plan on, I don't know, hosing off, Kenny Galladay or something. It's, it feels <laughs> sort of like what it is, is is what we got. Right. Right. Well, honestly, it's, it's clear by talking to you, you know, your stuff, you know, your football. I know that you were in a celebrity fantasy football league with a bunch of guys. Uh, Des Bryant was one of them. I think uh, the Miz was in there. Uh, a, a bunch of other celebrities. Do you play fantasy football with some of your castmates from a million little things and psych? 
I take fantasy football very seriously. It's probably the the closest thing to like a vice uh, or a side hustle that I have. So, so you're in multiple leagues then, I'm assuming, just by that leagues. statement. I, yeah. I play high stakes. How many? Um, against, you know, those those guys and gals who basically treat it like professional poker, um, you know, in the NFFC and the FFPC and um, and then I also have my charity leagues that I do. Uh, I do one in the NFFC to, to raise money for pediatric cancer. And then I've been doing Michael Fabiano's for the last couple of years. Yeah, Fabs. Um, Fabs is awesome. He has yes, Sling he uh, as a sponsor for his league and everybody gets to play for a charity. And, and that's awesome. Well, uh-huh. you, um, I mean, clearly you, you are really into fantasy football. Did you ever win? at all any of these leagues that's the that's the poison that keeps me coming back Um, (laughs) of course it does man i had some really (laughs) big years um early on when i first started uh in the nffc um and i made some real money and so i you know i convinced myself that i really was one of one of the best high stakes fantasy football players um in the world and it's been a it's been some really lean years since then, mm-hmm. um, but I can't stop now. You know, it's I, you look, you look so it's in your look blood, so man. To it, it's in my blood. It's just yeah. it's part of my DNA. Uh, but I have not had the success I would say in the last six seven years that I did when I first started. Um, yeah. It's tough, man. It's tough to compete with with these players that pretty much do it as a job. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're on it, right? They're reading things, and they are combing that waiver wire, looking for the best finds, and saying, "Okay, DeAndre Hopkins, he's not going to be starting the season, but he'll be coming off that list, and then yeah, you got to stash him, right?" It's it's. I always feel like I'm about ten minutes behind everybody, and that's really <laughs> all it takes. Um, yeah, same thing with baseball too. Like, because I also do fantasy baseball and it's like the, the fab results oh, will God, come in and God it's just bless you you do a baseball fantasy league too i do oh. i do and it's Jeez. just too often that you know you see the first name on on the list uh of fab and i'm like i've never heard of that guy like how <laughs> how could he have gone for 650 dollars? and it's usually some kid pitcher that got called up and i missed it um but these people do not miss it uh, ever. <laughs> Uh, there's, I mean, it's not like in your home league when you're the best player and, you know, you can kind of just, you're toying with people uh, and dominating. You you go up to the, the high stakes <laughs> leagues and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I am those poor bastards in, in my home league now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, you're talking about like toying with people. I, it felt like you were toying with people's emotions in that finale of a million little things. I mean, talk about a heartbreaker, man. I mean, that gets you right there in the heart. You were such a beloved character. How did you prepare for that? And what kind of reaction have you gotten since then? Well, the good news is uh, I knew that was coming for quite some time. It wasn't like, it wasn't thrust upon me. Like, you know, there's a great story about Ray Wise who who played Leland Palmer in, in Twin Peaks. And, you know, David Lynch brought him into a room with just a lava lamp uh, like the week before they were shooting uh, the last episode of season one. And nobody knew who who had killed 
Laura Palmer. And he set Ray down and he was like, Ray, it's you. It's always been you, Ray. <laughs> he kind of just he kind of just melted because he had this much time to process the fact, you know, that he had killed his own daughter. Um, luckily, I knew that, you know, Gary, this was the way Gary was going to go out for for a while, for multiple seasons. And, you know, we really it was just about making sure that it felt earned and that we were able to sort of hit every point along the way uh, of telling the story. So that, you know, when we did it, we felt like, you know, we were we were doing it for the right reasons. We were doing it authentically. We were showing reverence and respect and not just kind of drum up, you know, the most emotionally manipulative you know finale that we could. Uh, so we would check in with each other periodically, the show creator and I, you know, over the last few seasons to make sure that we felt like we were still on track with it. Uh, so I did have it was a long play. Um, I was obviously sworn to secrecy, but. Uh, sure but I knew it was coming and uh, it's still like once you shave your head and have your eyebrows covered up and, you know, and you're spending uh, hours in, in makeup uh, to become someone who, you know, who looks that ill, it, it's still, uh, still jarring. It's, it's still triggering. You, you, it hits you pretty hard. How many people have fallen to this awful, awful disease and how many families have had to say their goodbyes and, and uh you know you it's a lot and and you want to sort of represent it uh you know like i said with uh, as, as respectfully and truthfully as you as you possibly can um and and then you just feel incredibly appreciative that at the end of the day you know you get to go take that makeup off and uh and you get your eyebrows back and and you just you know, you really ever you realize how 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 beautiful every day is, and and how you can never take it for granted. It was powerful, and you were terrific. And I think you blessed a lot of people with an awesome performance that will resonate for a long time. And then you're on another wildly wildly uh, popular series wow. slash franchise in Psych. I mean, not one but two franchises I mentioned off the top. What is it about Psych that really resonates with people? You know, it's it's been something of a phenomenon to me. I mean, certainly none of us thought that when we made this tiny little pilot for the then fledgling USA Network that it would become, yeah. you know, what it has become. I think the spirit of the show uh, sort of speaks for itself. It was created by Steve Frank's who in many ways, uh, you know, kind of embodies uh, positivity. Uh, uh, his approach to life is just, it's so, it's so beautiful and, and aspirational. And it comes, it comes through in his writing and his approach to, you know, to, to making a show. And then you put together a group of people who all just really hit it off and, and came to love and respect one another and so uh, just a ton of love went into making that show. And, and we also realized so somewhat surprisingly that we were being embraced as uh, a series that families could come together and watch like together, like so many people tell, told us over the run of the show, like, you know, the only time I see my teenager is when we watch Psych. Um, that's so cool to hear right I think that's it I really do feel like that's a key like 
you know, we managed to, we thre threaded this needle of like, oh, people our age can appreciate this because all the references remind us of our childhoods, but a teenager can appreciate it because these two fools are having such a good time and it reminds them of them and their best buddy. Uh, and so you have like multi-generational sort of viewing experiences happening and, and then the show kind of got passed down. And, and that's why like when 12 year olds now come up and recognize me as, as Sean, it just blows my mind. Like you, you're 12, like you have no idea what we're talking about on the, on the show. But I think what resonates is sort of the spirit of, of silliness and, you know, two grownups running around acting like children and, and two best friends living out sort of a childhood dream I, I, and doing it without, you know, any blood or guts or F-bombs or nudity. I think all of those things sort of came into together in a, and made a stew that felt very right for a lot of people. It's it's awesome what you guys have done and what you've created. And you also honor other genres as well. Genres that you like, genres yeah. that people relate to and really gravitate to. Uh, what can you tell us about now the what will be the fourth movie now? What what can you tell us about where things stand there? Yeah, I mean, I wish there was more to report. We there is a there is a script. Um, you know, at one point we were toying with the idea of maybe doing three and four um, back to back, uh, just because it's so difficult to to get all these to get everybody's schedules lined up and sure. and and find a pocket of time. Um, that ended up not happening because it was it was during COVID. It was difficult. It would have been weird. Uh, frankly, I mean, you know, that that fourth script probably wasn't as cooked as much as it needed to be um, on top of everything. So the good news is, I think I think the script is better now. Uh, and now it'll come down to like, you know, the peacock. Uh, finding some dough and uh, getting everybody's schedules aligned again, which, you know, we can always, we can always figure that part out because it doesn't take us long to shoot these things. Um, you know, we're, we're very early uh, in, into a, a, a writer's strike. So it won't be happening anytime soon. Yeah, it's uh, too bad. It's too bad. But maybe, uh, you know, maybe into this year, next year, it comes together. Um and, you know, the psych fans are so great and they're so patient and, and, you know, they always let us know that the appetite is still there. So that's an easy part of the pitch uh, yeah. to the peacock. Uh, yeah. It's the same. It's basically the same dance that we've done for every movie. You kind of have to go in and remind them, you know, why psych is important and, you know, how the, the brand has been around for so long and, and how, you know, it's reached so many people and, and, you know, there's there's always turnover at these places. So, you know, you're always pitching a new group of execs who may or may not have ever watched Psych. Uh, that's what yeah. happens when you last as long as we have. You know, that old guard is, you know, that 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 was there with us in the beginning are all gone. Um, yeah. So you keep getting passed off to new people um, and then kind of singing for your supper a little bit but it's worth it to us because we love our fans so much and it's yeah. also it's also worth it to us because those movies are basically like little mini family reunions and they're a blast 
it's it's a blast to sit back and watch it and also see the trajectory of your career. And when you started, you had your name of James Roday, and then you added James Roday Rodriguez. Talk about the self-discovery that you had to get to that point. I know at one point in time, I had a couple of bosses that wanted me to change my name to Guillermo. Uh, and that was something that they thought, Hey, what do you think about that? Are you, is it something that you're comfortable with now in the neighborhood that I grew up in? People called me Guillermo, but that wasn't my name. And with that process for me, I just learned a lot about myself and, and just about my background and, and about what I want in the future. What was that self-discovery process for you? to get to the point that you finally did? Well, I, it was heavily fueled by uh, the pandemic, um, which sort of forced uh, life to, to slow down. And, you know, I, I, I generally live my life very fast. I've got 10 things going on at once. It's, it's sort of, it's, it is who I am and it's how I thrive. And all of a sudden I found myself with a whole bunch of time, a whole lot of stillness and, and reading and thinking about stuff that I hadn't honestly thought about in years. And, you know, I was talking to my dad and, uh, you know, he was telling me stories about my grandparents that I'd never heard. And I just woke up one day and was like, why am I not, why am I not representing? Like I, I knew why initially I had, I dropped Rodriguez and it's because I was a kid coming out of college who had no idea how the business worked and, mm -hmm. you know, a, a casting director and a TV executive who had absolutely no malice whatsoever were like, Hey, you know, you would probably behoove you to, to have a wider name because you look white and it might confuse mm -hmm. people. And this was in the nineties and I don't even hold it against them. I think they were just trying to help me. And at the time I would have done anything like they could have said, you know, sure. if, you off, if you chopped off your pinky toe, um, it might give you a leg up. It's these auditions. Like I probably would have done it because I didn't know anybody. And, and the idea of becoming successful in this business was so daunting and, and beyond something that I could wrap my head around that I was taking every piece of advice I could. So I did it. And the next thing I knew I was working and I built a career and, uh, and then, you know, 20 years in, I'm sitting there going, man, if, if I was starting my career today, a, nobody would give me that advice because they wouldn't be caught dead, you know, saying, that right. Loud. Right. And B, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have occurred to me that there's anything weird about being Rodriguez either, because there have been so many people now, uh, especially in the Latinx community that, you know, have have kept their names and represented. And it just it wouldn't have even been something to think about. And so, sure. you know, the good news is that I was, you know, it's I better late than never. Uh, yeah, I wish I had done it sooner. Uh, I would have loved for my grandparents to have still been around, um, you know, to enjoy my work as as a Rodriguez. Uh, but, you know, my dad is is still here and uh, I know it meant a lot to him. And and I, I think. 
you know, as best as I could, could express like, you know, how, how I could, I could totally see that, you know, how it could be perceived as like this, you know, this woke thing that I did, you know, with an agenda behind it. Like the truth is I just felt really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, it caught up with me. Uh, I had some time to think about it and really look inward and, and, and it just became crystal clear that there was simply no reason for me to not use my name anymore. And so I did it and, uh, I did it, you know, probably 20 years too late, but what, what was, what was the reaction of other people say in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry when you did that? I would say it was 98% very positive and, yeah. and very supportive. Again, you know, Hollywood especially, I think, uh, loves to put itself out in, in front of any sort of movement. Um, and, and sometimes that's authentic and sometimes it's, it's nonsense, but you know, it, nobody's gonna not support someone reclaiming their heritage on any sort of public platform, uh, just because of the optics, but there were non Hollywood people. Um, I think there was, there was the, the 2% of people that were, you know, really questioned like why now? Um, and rightfully so. Like I, but, but, but James, part of it though, is that, you know, you're established now, like you are established and successful and you've had longevity. So it's not like you needed it to boost your career any more than it's already boosted, right? By the work that you've done. Yeah, I can tell you that changing my name has not um, has not gotten me a single extra job. <laughs> um, yeah. But the flip side of that coin that you're talking about is like, well, sure, you waited. You waited until you were successful and you had a career and you were established and then it was okay to be Rodriguez. Yeah. So I get, yeah. I get both sides of that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, do, do you feel like the, the weight of the representation now, uh, in Hollywood and, and, and having the name now uh, attached to you? I mean, it hasn't changed a, a ton except in the way that I, I, I feel, uh, mm -hmm. I was never hiding my Latino-ness. I mean, I was I was nominated for Almas and Imogen Awards and I presented and I was doing, I would do the occasional interview with, uh, you know, a, a publication that, you know, was sort of, you know, was Latino driven. It was like, it wasn't a secret. I just, I just wasn't throwing my name out there. Yeah. Um, so now I just think, you know, there's, there's an element of pride that comes along with it. And, and it feels, it just feels better for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, a million little things was the first time that I ever, I ever played a Latino in my career. And I give, I give DJ Nash credit for that because he said, Hey, why, why don't we use, why don't we use this from your real life? Like, let's make you half Mexican. Let's give you a Mexican father. Like it was the first time that I, that I was ever able to sort of marry the ideas of, identity and my art at, in, into one character. Uh, and that was really cool too, man. Like that was yeah, cathartic I and bet. brought me a lot closer to who I really am. And I think, I thank him for that for sure. Um, but as far as like the pressure of representation, like I'm out there, um, 
nine times out of 10, am I going to get a, a role that's written for a Latino? Still probably not because there's going to be guys that just look more Latino than I do. And, mm -hmm. and that's, and that's okay. Like I, I probably wouldn't cast me either, but, uh, I'm certainly willing to talk about it now. And, uh, and and carry the flag as 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 best as I can. Uh, sure, because we need as much representation as Hollywood as Hollywood as we can get. Like uh, I would I would say as as many sort of diverse diversity initiatives are that, that are happening right now. Uh, you know the the Latinx community is still I think needs more. So yeah yeah. Well, what uh, what was it like for you growing up? where you had half of your family that was Mexican. You, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that they were all Dallas Cowboys fans. Like, what was it like culturally for you growing up uh, with, with having half that side being Mexican and growing up in San Antonio? It was interesting because uh, we were the only ones in San Antonio. Everyone else was in Dallas. And so it was, it was basically a, a oh, okay. once or maybe twice a year uh, holiday family gathering. Um, and I was also the oldest grandchild. So for a while, um, there were no other kids. And it was just like once a year, I would be reminded like, oh, right, uh, this, is, this is half of me. And they all speak Spanish to each other. And uh, they love, you know, Tejano music. And this is part of me. Uh, slowly but surely over the years, uh, a lot of uh, the, the siblings started marrying off and more white people came into the mix. And yeah. it became sort of a more more of a melting pot. And then cousins started getting born. And we really are more of a, of a mixed a mixed bag. But but when I was very young, not so much. You know, it was it was me and my mom who's about as Caucasian as you can be, um, and in a family of Mexicans. Um, mm -hmm. And then you would go home, and we didn't speak Spanish in our household. And, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up on an Air Force base, and there weren't a ton of other uh, Latino children. And you kind of would almost, you know, forget. You just sort of normalize the fact that your life feels more white than it does you know latino mm -hmm. until the next christmas <laughs> you know <laughs> right right no exactly well, that's what mj and i we always talk about our our backgrounds and how we grew up i mean we had you know uh big families and then you know learning how to speak spanish and then some of the the traditions and and such but you know, for us, and even just the the point of this podcast is just we want to highlight the Latinos who are out there who are successful and who are seen as an inspiration and and looked upon for for what they do and and how they've done it. And uh, you certainly are that. I mean, you honestly are killing it right now. Have been killing it, and this has just been such an enlightening conversation just so generous of you to give us the time to talk to us we covered a lot today my friend we covered yeah, a lot we kept it real <laughs> uh and honestly look the, the pleasure is mine uh you you know what a huge football fan i am i think it's dope uh that you're out there 
you know, crushing it in your own right. And uh, was happy to come together and, and, and talk about being Latinos with you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I, I appreciate it. Uh, please come back again on the El Hoda podcast when we also have MJ as well. I know she would love to talk to you as well. And we can dissect more of the Titans, what we think of their offense and Will Levis. Maybe you'll be pumped beyond belief of how good he is, or you'll just say, this guy ain't cutting it. We'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Right? I'll be interested uh, to see if he actually sees the field this season. Um, you know, yeah. Tannehill stays healthy. And because that division is not great, you know, if, as long as if we're striking distance from like a wild card, I, I can't imagine him bringing in the kid. But, dude, as soon as we fall out of it, I think you got to get him in there. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not? And think about that with the division of having Anthony Richardson, potentially Will Levis, right? C.J. Stroud. I mean, you got some young guns. And then obviously Trevor Lawrence. uh, Stack, man, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we could be looking at a a bright future. Um, Honestly, James, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Honestly, come back again really proud of what you've been doing and uh really enjoyed the combo thanks again appreciate it well thank you sir El Huddle is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 